Welcome to IT for Whiskey, a podcast for new or existing managed service providers and your occasional whiskey connoisseur by experienced managed service providers. My name is Myron Herrera. My company is Cinetech Solutions. Uh, we are a MSP based out of Dallas. I'm also the CEO of Greenlink Networks, which is a voice over IP uh, channel only uh, based out of Dallas as well. Business started in 2004. Combined, we're about 30 employees. You know, the reason I, I wanted to do this podcast was because visiting a lot of these events, I, I realized that a lot of the MSPs that were starting up were struggling with some of the same things that I struggled when we started our business. Meeting Craig and Joe, we shared the same passion and a lot of the same issues that, that we experienced. So wanting to take that pain away from some of the new guys, they decided to go with this podcast. My name is Craig Hickman. I'm with ProBlue in Bloomington, Indiana. ProBlue is a managed service provider. We started in 2005. I started with, I think, a total of three employees, and now we've grown to 11. We're a small shop. We're located in South Central Indiana, servicing a little over 200 customers. This is a great opportunity for me to talk to other peers and learn what they have done and what they have not done well and avoid all those caveats. This is a learning experience for us and also hopefully helping others along the way. My name is Joe Ucia. I'm the CEO for Infinite IT. We're located out of Toronto, Canada. We're currently about a dozen employees. We're an MSP. We were originally founded in 1999. I truly believe in this podcast because I wish somebody was there to help me and, and teach me a lot of the mistakes that they made and share with me their mind share on, on how to overcome issues. So I was lucky enough to meet Craig and Myron a few years ago and many years in the working and here we are. So we hope that you really get a lot out of this podcast and learn the things that I wish somebody would have told me. Follow, like, and subscribe at IT4Whiskey.com. Now here's your hosts, Myron, Joe, and Craig. All right, guys. Welcome back for another episode of IT for Whiskey. I am your co-host, Craig, with my best buds, Joe and Myron. Yo! What's up? Today we have a special guest, Todd Gates. Yeah! Hello, everybody. Hey! <laughs> Yo, Toddy! What's up, buddy? Thanks for joining us, bud. Yeah, you lure me in with the, with the whiskey. I can't leave. <laughs> oh, my God, guys. It took us a while to get this arranged, but <laughs> it's going to be awesome. It's going to be awesome. It's about an hour and 15 minutes, but yeah, we got this. We got and this. I, I'm very happy to be here. <laughs> from, from 300 viewers to 150, just like that. <laughs> <laughs> so Todd was uh, in town and uh, was nice to stop by our office and uh, bring us some cookies and stuff. So um, we just happened to be ready to record. I didn't get any cookies. Where's my cookies, Todd? I'll send you whiskey. I get cookies. Where are my cookies? You can send me whiskey, but you just have to send J Joe some special cookies. Yeah. <laughs> that was easy. <laughs> <laughs> I could do that actually. I could do that. I could. You can order that online and have it delivered to your house. Yeah, I can do that. But Joe should be sending you cookies. Oh, yes, you should. I can't. It's illegal going across the border. Why? It's just cookies. All right. So moving on. <laughs> <laughs> for this episode we've we've had uh some some quite a, some time that we haven't recorded um and what we're gonna do with this one is that since todd's here we're gonna do something different and we're gonna let todd interview us and we'll talk about whatever he wants to talk about this may be a very long episode this may be a very short episode but um we're looking forward to it it'll be different 
you know so Todd why don't you tell us a little bit about you know who you are how do we know each other if you want to talk about that and uh, how did you start your MSP business sure so I got I got started in 1999, I showed up to college knowing about IT and computers and demand for IT services grew from my personal population to the student body to the university where I was hired by the university and then out into the community at large. So we're based in San Marcos, Texas, which is just south of Austin. That grew as a break-fix operation until we discovered the MSV model. And with that, we've taken off and discovered the channel. Through the channel, we discovered GreenLink. And through GreenLink and voice over IP, we have penetrated our competitors' clients who, you know, they don't offer voice over IP. So we're able to get in and pick up bigger tickets through voice over IP. Awesome. Thanks for the plug. Yeah, not an accident. <laughs> Joe and Craig met Todd. Where, where was it, guys? San Antonio. San Antonio. San Antonio. And we've mentioned him in the past. Uh, if you li- if you're an avid listener to the podcast, you've you've heard his uh, you've heard his name come out before. Yeah, glad to have you here, buddy. Thanks, thanks for having me. It is good to be here. I'm glad that it's random. <laughs> it's, it's nothing like a random visit. It's the best. <laughs> podcast for cookies. That's right. <laughs> I remember Todd and I hanging out in the uh, tequila line, getting one of the special tequilas at the uh, San Antonio event, and uh, they would not put the nice tequila in the uh, in the margaritas. We fixed that. <laughs> we would get a tequila virgin, and then oh no, I'm sorry, we get a margarita virgin, and we would walk over to the special tequila line and say, "Give me two shots," and then we would just pour it in our margarita. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I knew I found good people. You know, I mean, we have a lot of common goals. <laughs> <laughs> So, so I, I, I really, I genuinely have some questions coming from an MSP that is smaller than where you guys are now, but growing and rapidly. Congrats to that. Thank you. Yeah, but we're still, we're still just under a million bucks gross, and even getting to this point, it's a, it's a challenge, right? So, one of the biggest things we're dealing with right now are things like marketing and advertising. We can't afford to hire somebody committed to things like marketing and advertising. So, for someone of our capacity, where, where should we start? That's a good question. Outsource it. And if outsourcing, then where? There's a few different ways you can approach that. It really depends on what you're trying to do. So if you're looking at finding an engine that will help you market, you know, that's one answer. If you're looking at working with a third party organization, they'll do just website uh, SEO and Google ad links. That's different. If you're looking at an organization that'll put together social media for you, that could potentially be different. So it depends on what kind of marketing you want to do. I, I had up all our marketing here at Infinite and I, I can say that do I have different streams of marketing activities and different efforts and different strategies to achieve different objectives. So, you know, marketing is a general term. I can almost categorize it like saying, I need to increase my sales, but what kind of sales do you want to increase? Right. So, so in your opinion, what, what has been the most effective? If we're a small shop getting ready to focus on larger opportunities and we want to take a marketing budget and apply it towards a specific market. I would say that if you're looking to gain MSP accounts, not, not just projects and, and, and things like that. At a base, establish your online presence, right? Make sure that that's all set up correctly and work on a lot of testimonials because that'll help you close those new deals because that gives you credibility. And then what you do to bring in the new deals is work with an outsourcing company that can help you either through you know, cold calling or appointment setting or something of that nature. That's that's my opinion. It's worked for us in the past, and uh, I think that that would work. Okay, Craig, why don't you give us your opinion as well? Honestly, I mean, you're in Austin, near Austin. 
there's a university. Why don't you get an intern to come in and just help with your social media marketing and not pay them anything? Yeah, we could we could do that. I mean, we, we'd like to we like to pay our interns, but I'll, I'll look at free. Pay, pay your intern. Pay them with whiskey. Pay them whiskey. Well, it depends depends on their uh, preference. Kegs of beer. They, they may just want Zima. I don't know. <laughs> it's a great fruit juice. Trust me. <laughs> so if, if, if you can find somebody that you can sculpt that understands social media that you can give them and you could actually grow somebody into a position because we, we have a, a nice young lady that worked for me at university and now has moved into a full-time position. The big challenge with our market is understanding it, right? You know what I mean? Like interns, college students especially have no idea what we're doing. I mean, I talked to a, I have a PhD advertising professor, one at UT, one at Texas State, which is a college in uh, in San Marco. And their ability to wrap their head around what it is that we do is is a real challenge. Um, so you, you said you worked with her for a long time and she sort of grasped the market you were looking at. And so you could focus on 15 to 20 seats and really pick that kind of business up. One of the things I did with her is I sent her to two events and she came back with a much bigger understanding of how the market and what it is that we needed to do and where we needed to go. That's a great idea. Yeah, that's a great idea. And so where, where did you send her? What event did you send her to? Uh, I sent her to a uh, Inger Micro event that was fully paid and funded. I sent her to a Cisco event that was fully paid and funded. And then I think I've sent her to another event. You can send her to an ASCII event. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we would cover it. We, yeah, that's great. I mean, very good advice. Thank you. It depends on the budget, obviously. But if if you if you got a good budget and you can put together, um, whether it's a list or call calling, you know, um, you also have to. And we talk about this in the marketing uh, podcast. You got to have the system also in place because you know you may get you know some leads, but now how do you deal with that lead? Because maybe right now you're dealing with one lead a, a month or whatever the case is. I don't I don't know your numbers, but if you start an engine, you're now going to see 5, 10, 20 leads a month. How do you deal with those leads and how do you make sure that you know they're, they're getting handled? Right. We're, we're using ConnectWise right now for the sales, the, you know, that sales mechanism. Is that, is that what you guys do or your, your process? What does that look like? We use ConnectWise. Joe uses ConnectWise as well. Yep. Craig, Craig is out there in like a dark, dark place that I can't comprehend, but it's so inexpensive. <laughs> I ought to have figured this model out in 2003 or whenever you started doing that. <laughs> and her name was Daisy. Were you driving her? Your intern? I'm just kidding. <laughs> driving Miss Daisy around. <laughs> Todd, on your, your question about uh, different marketing activities and different strategies, the only one thing I can say to you is this. Like everything else, you need to have an objective in mind. Think about what your end goal is. Is your end goal just to get in front of new prospects? Is your end goal to have closed deals? Is your end goal to create brand awareness? What is your overall objective? That that defines the process, you know, from going backwards, if you will. So look at your end goal. And my assumption is based on what you were saying a few seconds ago about uh, where you are and what your objectives are and whatnot, it sounds like you want to close more deals and onboard new customers. But bigger deals. We're out looking at five, 10 seats. We're looking at 25, 50 seats. We have the capacity and the tools to manage that. Let's do it. Exactly. So one of the things I can say to you is there's a lot of reputable organizations out there that do appointment setting based on your criteria. And over the years, I've done several campaigns with third-party organizations that do the telemarketing. And the one thing I can say to you about that is garbage in, 
garbage out. If you don't define what your criteria is very, very down to the last dirty detail and you don't spend the time writing the scripts and you expect them to just know what you want, you will get nothing out of the, the effort. The campaign will be a bust. They're going to throw whatever they can at the wall because you have to think about it from their perspective. You know, they want to they want to pump and dump calls and pump and dump leads. Yeah. Numbers in, money out. Yeah. The the more stringent you make the criteria, the more qualified the leads will be for your business. Okay. That's great. Thank you so much. So what are the, what are the questions that, that comes to me a lot, right? If I'm in a, at, a, at an event and I'm talking to a coach, they'll ask me, what is my vertical? And we don't really have one. We have a, we have a smattering of a variety of different types of businesses from manufacturing to legal to medical and dental. And it's hard to say that we would win by focusing on a vertical. So when in this maturation of the model, do we decide that a vertical is the way to go? Yeah, I think you'd know. That's all I'm going to say. You'll know. You'll know. It'll it'll hit you. So the, so what I answer people when I don't focus on their vertical, one of the things I commonly say is, one of two things I'll say, we like to work with companies that treat IT as a strategic differentiator and currency. The other thing is, depending on the type of organization, we can typically get away with saying, yeah, we work with organizations that are in a services-based type of industry, which the vast majority of companies nowadays are services based. In the US especially, yeah. How about you, Craig? So I'm here drinking this fine whiskey. Wait, before you go on the whiskey, I want to answer this question. Sorry, I cut you off. Oh, fine. Or, hit, or to ask Todd the question. No, I, I want I want to answer Todd's question. Sorry. I think that the, the time to pick a vertical, it, you'll know. And then if you have a specialty in the industry that you are special knowledge about, then you focus on that industry. You know, let's say like you've, you've probably met Ricky uh, from MSP Networks in, in Long Island. They specifically work with charter schools. They deal with other things, but he's got experience in that industry. So it makes sense to kind of go in there. So that's, I, I would say that that would be the reason to go into a vertical. If you don't have any experience in the vertical, don't just go in the vertical because you want to be in a vertical. That makes complete sense. Because if, you, if, you're, if you're talking to a legal group and you mention these seven points, it's like they just suck right in. Good, good advice. Craig, do you want to talk about whiskey now? <laughs> no, I, I can talk about a vertical. Which vertical you want to talk about? Well, I make a lot of money when I buy this whiskey. <laughs> I don't know why, but it seems like a good vertical. It makes sense, right? But Joe, you said it would make sense. It would hit me and be like, boom, that's that's what I need to do. <laughs> what whiskey is this, buddy? Buy more whiskey. Sell the MSV, buy a bunch of whiskey, and resell it. There you go. I'm actually drinking uh, New Riff N-E-W-R-I-F-F, a single barrel, 112 proof, no ice. Wow. It is a four-year whiskey, bourbon. Mm. I have to admit, I was surprised because it's only four years old. You would think it would be very rough, but uh, this is the same company that did OKI, which you can no longer get. It's no longer made. If you can find this bottle, which I have only, well, actually, no, I've never found it on the shelf. Not here in Indiana, but if you can find this bottle, this is a great buy. It should cost you about $48 unless you are Myron. Will it be like 30 bucks? Welcome to Texas. <laughs> I would have to admit that I was actually kind of uh, shocked. It's got a good smell. It's got a good taste, good finish. I am I am not a guy that's going to explain to you the coffee notes and the caramel and whatever else you smell in its sweaty jock strap or something. <laughs> Thank God. But no, I, I have to admit, you won't be unhappy with it. If you are, send me a bill. Todd as well. Uh, <laughs> Joe, are you drinking maple water? Not, not today, actually. I, I'm actually out, sadly. 
I am looking forward to trying maple water. Never would have even imagined adding anything to my whiskey until I heard this podcast and Joe's recommendation. So I really appreciate that. And we do need a list of all of the whiskeys that you mentioned on the podcast on a single site because, you know, I'm moving around, driving. I can't write down the whiskey. There are things that stick in my mind, but man, would it be nice to have a, a website committed to your radio faces. That's a great idea. Erica, why don't you take a note? <laughs> don't we have that? No, we don't. Not on the website, no. One thing we do is that we typically mention it in the description of the podcast. That's good. That would be good. But I mean, we, I mean, I genuinely enjoy trying the whiskeys you mentioned. You know, I have a, I have bottles at home, uh, the Elijah Craig and the uh, Jefferson's. They're, anyway, my brother-in-law is really into this stuff too. So it's been great. Awesome. Introducing myself to new whiskeys through you guys. Thank you. Sweet. Going back to the vertical with Todd, I, I have to agree with Joe because in the beginning, you would do business for almost anything. And in time, you figure out what fits the model and what works best. And I... You'll know. I mean, because you typically want to do things that you you know that you can do well and keep the customer happy. Don't accept items that you know will have a bad result in the end. Avoid noise. I, I like to avoid noise. And I have, a, I have a noise tax. If there's a client that's really noisy, they get a tax if they want to sign on. Or the PETA fee. That is the PETA fee. That's right. That's exactly what it is. Yeah. A, lot, a lot of small MSPs or, or smaller MSPs, they get one big client. They land it. Once they get that one, they can't believe it. It happened. And then they have the traction and the, the funding to kind of pick up and, and do what they've always dreamt of doing. What was that for you? And, and how, can, how can you expedite that process, do you think? If somebody, if somebody found that unicorn and hit their mark, how do you take advantage of it and go? And this could be too big to answer, really. No, nah, you know what? Milk it for what it's worth. That's what I say. Leverage the customer testimonial right away. Yeah, I can, I can answer that, too. I, I, I would say for us uh, on the Cinetech side, one of our first customers is still our largest customer. Wow. And they continue to grow, outpacing every other customer that we bring in. Wow. So it's been great. The, the one thing with them is, yeah, obviously use them for references and try to get yourself as an owner out of the day-to-day as quickly as possible. Right. That's the biggest mistake you can make. Right. The more you're out of the day-to-day business and have nothing to do is when you bring the most value into the business. Because you're going to be out there making deals that'll help the business grow versus being inside a day-to-day dealing with the transactional tickets and things like that. So do whatever it takes to get out of it. That's the only thing I can recommend. That's what's worked for us. Work to retire from your role with those big clients. Yes, quickly. Okay, that's great. You guys want another question? Yeah. Okay, so from my perspective, with a lot of the events that we're going to, uh, there are, and we went to IT Nation this year, and they literally had like a speed dating setup for mergers and acquisitions. So I know I've talked to you about this a little bit, but there's a lot of mergers and acquisitions going on in our industry. And I'm curious from your perspectives where you think our industry is heading along that M&A track. Craig? I don't know. I think Joe has a pretty good perspective on that when it comes to, because he pays attention to a lot of those. It seems like when we're on WhatsApp, Joe's the one who's sending us the news. Joe? I get a lot of emails on it. But what, so what are you focusing on? You know, what emails are you getting and, and why are you focused on that? I mean, we see it both from our vendor standpoint and from MSPs. What, what is your perspective? So I get a lot of spam. I get a lot of spam and I get uh, like letters in the mail from companies. Whoa, that's official. Check out that big thing. Yeah. 
this was today. I got another one today, and there's a lot of noise out there about M&A, and we've gone through uh, three attempts at this point, and uh, they've all failed. And as you'll hear from many people, and you know, Todd, if you went through the ConnectWise uh, training, they, they have a whole module on mergers and acquisitions. They speak very accurately, in my opinion, on the topic that the majority of M&As fail. Careful that you don't spin too many cycles. The first one I remember was so exciting, and I put so much effort into it, and it went nowhere. The second one was even more exciting and it went nowhere. And the third one, well, let's just say that it uh, it busted really quickly. So the, the concept is exciting. And I think the number one thing that people forget uh, when you're going through an M&A process is that one of the reasons why most of us, not all of us, but most of us get into the, the business or in any business that you're self-employed is the adventure and being able to make your mark and be in control, be your own boss. That goes away once you execute an M&A. And the last one that we went through fell apart only because there was three companies trying to come together. And guess what? We said to the one of them, you do realize that when we bring these three companies together, we're going to create this massive $20 million company, but everyone at the table loses complete autonomy. You don't have the control you do today. You need to go on vacation. You have to ask for approval. You want to buy XYZ, you need to get approval. For one of the guys, destroyed it. He's like, oh, I didn't think about that. I'm out. So you, you got to really think about all the aspects about uh, M&A and what, what the value really is. And at the end of the day, it's all, again, I keep kind of sound like a repetitive, but what is your end goal? What is your objective? And depending on what your exit strategy is, that'll define whether or not M&A is really for you. Well, and I'm not necessarily even talking about M&A being for me, right? Not as an MSC selling out. I'm talking about what does M&A, like you see these uh, larger or smaller companies being merged into larger ones. What does that mean to you as an MSC? You know, they, they're able to leverage lower pricing or push into markets and push you out of dental, that kind of a thing. The reason for m and I'll go to talk about that first and then I'll talk about why I don't really think it'll matter for us, let's call us the smaller guys, right? The big organizations are going to go buy each other out and they'll be able to push price down potentially, but the quality is going to be harder to do. I mean, if you look at all the, the higher MSPs, uh, unless they are look, they're working with the enterprise level, you know, 500 plus seats, it'll become difficult to provide that, that personal service that the smaller MSP would provide. And I think that's the niche that we will always have, you know, that last mile, that last mile leg, you know, that service will be very difficult to, you know, to make it happen when you get into an MSP that is now 5,000 employees or whatever the case is. But I do think that M&A is good at even at the small level. So if you look at a MSP that is, you know, a few, a few million dollars or a million dollars, whatever the number is, and they join forces with another MSP, you know, sometimes you got you're struggling at a smaller level to to get your marketing going. You get you struggle to get your operations at, in in tune. And when you join first forces, it tend to help a lot, and you get rid of a lot of things that are that are redundant. And it, it makes sense. So it, it depends on what size and what kind of customers you're looking at. It also helps to bring in more customers real fast. So that, that's that's also good. Okay. Well, great. Sound advice, guys. And I just, I have to mention that, you know, I'm, I'm looking at Craig's tiny head video feed and, and it, it's like a small liquor store. And I was thinking of... All- you waxed, you waxed for the show today. <laughs> I did. I did wax it. It is so shiny. So it's hard to see the actual face. It's so, you know, shiny. But anyway, it looks like you're running a liquor store behind you. It's incredible. Everything's on sale. 
I mean, you should consider as a, as a secondary business, just opening a liquor store. I mean, the connections you would make and the opportunities you would have to, to pick up those uh, bottles that you love. I mean, no, 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 no thought of, of sparking up a little local hole in the wall liquor store. He'd go out of business because he'd drink it all. <laughs> <laughs> He's doing a pretty good job so far. I mean, he doesn't have a straw out or anything. Drinking the profits. <laughs> All the profit goes up in smoke. Wait, that's in Canada. <laughs> oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. Easy on the Canadians. Joe mentioned that he's gone through three of these. I've been approached a few times, but I've always blown them off because I have no desire to do any m and in in, at least for another five to ten years. And you're not, you're not, you don't feel pressure either? No, I don't feel any pressure because I'd have no need. But if I did that, then I wouldn't be able to hang out with these two guys. Or you'd have to do it at another capacity. I'm, 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 I'm trying to push into GreenLink. You know, it'd be great to work for these guys. There you go. <laughs> to be honest with the group, before I met these guys, you know, I was, you know, disinterested in a lot of this because it was, you know, it was, you know, like Joe, Joe gets burnt out. Thanks for sharing that with the world. But, you know, hanging out, you know, thanks for sharing with the world that Joe gets burned out. Who, like you or me? Well, I think everybody gets burned out. I think everybody knows that. It doesn't have to be a big secret. It was my deepest, darkest secret, I swear. <laughs> you pull out of it. I mean, there's something will happen to drag you back into the game that makes it so exciting. You know, everybody goes through a burnout stage. Um, I've mentioned it in the past where I feel like it's time to sell the MSP business because, you know, it just wears me out. In my case, some new innovation or some new product or services has really kicked back the entrepreneur spirit and that keeps me going. And I think that's important to make sure that as you run through your day-to-day -day business, you don't get, you know, buried in the day-to-day day and you come out and you spend some time thinking outside the business so that you can grow it faster versus being, you know, deep inside the day to day. That's good. I would say, you know, like uh, the biggest problem, at least for me right now, is facing the amount of attacks that are happening on Office 365. So we heard a, we heard a vendor through this podcast, actually, Proofpoint, that we're looking at seriously. Joe was the one who mentioned that. And they're about to go live through Pax8, who we love. And we also met Iron Scales, which works very differently than Proofpoint in the sense that they don't do the MX record filter. They're actually embedded in Office 365, which is neat. But I still need somebody like Proofpoint on one of my clients. So we're waiting for that to go live, and then we're going we're gonna to pick that. Up. But what are the other problems that we're facing in this technological landscape that you're excited about as an entrepreneur in the MSP space? VoIP for me, obviously. <laughs> VoIP's dead. I'm just kidding. It's not. <laughs> One of the things I'm looking at this year is uh, Dark Trace. Is that a dark web scanner? Uh, well, yeah. So it's called Dark Trace. And essentially, it's an appliance that sits on the client site. And it gives you this platform, which it looks like a almost like a gaming machine. And it gives you this really cool looking tool that clients can see actually what's going on in the network without all the highly technical view. So it looks like eye candy. Cool. So you just have it on like a TV in their office? How does that work? It gives you a very visual representation of what's going on between them and the internet. Cool. That's awesome. But people want something that's tangible that they can touch. You know, when you say you're going to do this service and you're going to take care of it, they're like, okay, great. But unless you're giving them a weekly or monthly report, they really don't know. So if you can give them something that gives them something they can actually see that's going on that has some value. So Todd, what are you drinking? I am drinking the rest of your Jefferson. <laughs> Very small batch blend of straight bourbon whiskey bottled in Louisville, Kentucky. You like that? Very, very good. Very smooth, yes. So, Todd, I'm going to have a question for you. Here's a trivia question. What is a very small batch? 
Uh, I think actually from this podcast, that would be less than 500 bottles. No. <laughs> well, you're close. You're close. <laughs> you're close. It's, it's 500 barrels. 500 barrels. Okay. Fewer than 500 barrels. Fair enough. That makes way more sense. Yeah. But a very small batch could actually be fewer than that. So depending upon how they categorize it, small batch is 500 barrels or less. Single barrel obviously is from one barrel. And then when you buy just straight Kentucky bourbon, it could be from thousands of barrels. It doesn't, you don't really know how many barrels it comes from. There's actually a, a whiskey maker outside of Austin, between Austin and Marble Falls that is just getting started. So they, they don't, you know, you have to age it and has to go through the barreling process. So all they've done is just, build the liquor and so they're selling like their white bottles or ghost bottles that's good stuff it's clear whiskey basically i did i haven't picked up a bottle but what do you what do you think should i try i would get it i think you should get me a bottle yes me too okay all right i will make a trip and i will send you a venmo or a paypal or whatever now you will send me a bottle Oh, you want to trade? Yeah. <laughs> you always say you're trading up, but some of us should enjoy that too. <laughs> uh, I don't know if that's a trade up. Fair enough. Fair enough. But for you, I will send you a special bottle. Thank you. The introductory look at my inventory. Welcome to my liquor store. Yes. Craig edition. You would get a special bottle if, if you did send me some white lightning, evidently. Do you think based on that white lightning, you think you could actually determine the quality of what they'll produce in their barrels? Yes, I could tell from the white lining what the future barrels potentially would taste like, yes. Well, I'm, I'm excited to hear that review. You don't have to send me any money. I, I'm having Elijah Craig. <laughs> what a surprise. <laughs> Everybody wants to drink to Craig. <laughs> Joe is, Joe, I think, Scott having a scotch right now. Joe, what are you doing? No, actually, I have ventured back to the Irish Isle. Oh, my goodness. I am back on my yellow spot today. It is such a great drink. Oh, love it. If I recall, Myron actually had a bottle delivered. I brought in a bottle of Rebecca Creek. That's right. We do have a bottle of Rebecca Creek. It's fine Texas spirit whiskey. It is 40% alcohol, 80 proof. Rebecca seems to be a very nice person. And it can stay in Texas. <laughs> I have not tried Rebecca yet, but I will I will try to find one if I can and 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 I will probably give it away. <laughs> Speaking of giving away, and, and we're almost coming into the end here, but we are trying to finish the scheduling for the going out to Kentucky and picking out a barrel. Um, so there's there's some, some movement going on on that side, and that's possible. So everybody, please uh, stand by for that. We'll probably hear about that later this year. We'll probably record from Kentucky. So that should be exciting. Let's not forget the fact that Joe actually had IT for whiskey glasses made. Oh, yeah. That he gifted to us. I think we talked about that already. And they are one of my favorite glasses to drink from. He is a very nice man. Oh, he is drinking from one today. And he is also such a kind man. He also sends me Timmy's or... Tim Horton's coffee. So I'm at my office and there's a big hand of Tim Horton's coffee on my desk. And I'm like, what? What's this? He is such a nice man. Ah, he can import stuff to us, but we can't, we can't send him liquor. Canada can go south. You just can't go north to Canada. It's cool that you give one of those glasses away to everyone who attends the podcast. We've talked about it. We've talked about it. Uh, especially for those that attend, right? Todd, if you, if you need a glass, I can send you one if you don't get one. He could just take one from mine right here in the office. He has a cash. Yeah, he does. And he can take that Rebecca Creek with him. <laughs> <laughs> there goes your sponsor. 
<laughs> all right, guys. Thank you all for your time. Todd, this has been great, you know, for giving us the time today. And uh, those were great questions. Follow, like, uh, comment, share the movement. Uh, we're, we've been adding about uh, 30 new listeners a uh, uh, week. So it would be really nice to uh, keep this going. I think one of the requirements was until we get to up to 5,000, I would share a picture of the uh, the whiskey stash. I think there was a, a, a going on site and actually drinking from your stash. Oh, well, we, we could have a contest. I just want to thank all of you. You guys are great in person and online, apparently. <laughs> Take it away, Kev. Kev, you know what to do. Take it away. That's all for this episode of IT for Whiskey, a podcast by MSPs to help MSPs. Don't forget to spread the word, like, and subscribe at it4whiskey.com. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Hold on, guys. It's wiki, wiki. What the my bottle doesn't squeak anymore. I am the destroyer. You could have stopped recording a long time ago. <laughs> <laughs>